0: Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network and currently sponsored by our good friends over at Pro Prep. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing some of the latest transfer reports with regards to our great football club. On this show, we're going to be discussing Maitland-Niles, who is edging closer towards a move to Roma. We're going to be discussing reports that Newcastle United, who have started their spending spree, Want to sign not one, not two, not three, but four Arsenal players. We're going to move on to reports regarding Mikel Arteta's future and another Premier League manager that Manchester City are supposedly keeping tabs on. We'll also be reacting to the news that Arsenal have been charged with a disciplinary breach following the Manchester City game. We'll talk a little bit about the Liverpool game as well and the postponement that we think is probably coming uh, off the back of the news coming out of Anfield in the last 24 hours. Let's kick off with the Maitland-Niles stuff because it was broken last night, although we've known that talks and discussions have been ongoing with regards to Maitland-Niles' future for a few days now. The news broke uh, from what I would deem as a reliable source, a very reliable source, over at The Athletic that this deal is on the verge of being completed. Now, we initially thought that Roma were going to take Ainsley Maitland-Niles on loan until the end of the season with an option to purchase the player come the end of that period. However, it seems that this is a straight-up loan deal. Um, There is no obligation or option to buy clause included in it. Ainsley Maitland-Niles will be joining Jose Mourinho's Roma on loan until the end of the season. Now, according to the report last night at the time of recording, personal terms, hadn't been agreed yet, but they're not expected to cause a problem in terms of getting this deal over the line. We also were told that Ainsley Maitland-Niles will be having his medical within the next 36 hours or so, uh, and that he needs to visit the Italian embassy in London to obtain a work permit before he'll be cleared uh, to play for the uh, Serie A side. Uh, It also goes on to say that Roma do still intend to sign Ainsley Maitland-Niles on a permanent basis. Um, Although there, as I say, there is no clause in that, uh, and there is no kind of obligation in that deal that we currently have. So it seems like their intention will probably be to do that deal at the end of this loan period. But of course, there are no guarantees. And we know that Roma, according to a lot of reports, are not in a financial position after going quite big in the summer to make this deal happen on a permanent basis. Now, however, as I say, The reports say that that is their intention. So, what do we make of the Ainsley Maitland-Niles stuff? Because I'm really interested to get people's thoughts on this because it's a player, or he's a player, that I think we probably should be letting go of. I think we've we've had Ainsley Maitland-Niles for a while now. He's been in and out of the side. He's played in a variety of different positions. He's made it clear where he believes his future lies in terms of um, positional, uh, in terms of in a positional sense. But for me, I'm never or I've never been convinced that he is the finished article as a centre midfielder and someone that we can be relying on, not just as a first team player, but as a backfill in that that position. So, um, yeah, you know, I I think it was right to let him go. I think that, as I say, I don't think his future uh, lies at Arsenal in the centre of midfield. I don't think he's done enough to prove that he's good enough to be kept as one of the first three, maybe even four options. That's not to say he's a bad player and that he won't fit in in another system somewhere else. But I just have never been convinced by the idea of Ainsley Maitland-Niles playing in the centre of midfield. And for me, getting some money in for him is probably the right thing to do. Now, obviously, I'm disappointed because I thought initially that when this talk of a move to Roma came about, that we would maybe not get a fee now up front, but that we'd get a fee at least in the summer, guaranteed. And it seems that that's not going to be the case. Now, will he go out to Rome, prove himself to be a very, very good player? And does that potentially drive his value up? Yeah, it does. You know, if he goes elsewhere, proves himself, plays week in, week out, then perhaps Arsenal will be in a position come the summer to say, well, we don't value him at 15 million now. We value him at 20 million for argument's sake. The problem is there is also a risk to that as well, right? While he's not playing, on the one hand, people will say, well, he's not worth X amount because he's not playing football. On the other hand, he can't disprove the theory that he would be a very, very good centre midfielder. So... This could work one of two ways for us. It could either work to our benefit, whereby, as I say, we can then command a great fee. Or um, if he goes there, doesn't exactly pull up trees, doesn't exactly set the world alight, then people will probably be looking to pay less. Maybe even Roma would be looking to pay less come uh, the summer. So Interesting to see how this goes. But look overall, I think it's the right thing to let Ainsley Maitland-Niles move on from the club. We've stopped him going on a couple of occasions previously. And when you think about the limited opportunities he's had since then, you wonder why we stopped him in the first place and why we didn't cash in when there were better offers on the table. But obviously, Arsenal didn't feel at that time that that was the right thing to do, that it was the right thing to leave ourselves exposed in that area. Obviously, Maitland Niles has a lot of versatility, which is something that I think Mikel Arteta really, really values. Um, and so, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I'd love to know what the thinking was behind keeping hold of him. But I think if we're reading between the lines and we're guessing, it's probably from fear of leaving ourselves short. So, then what does that mean now? Because we are going into a really difficult month. We're going into a really crucial and pivotal part of the season and Ainsley Maitland-Niles is departing, which means we're going to be a player light in midfield. Add to that that the, the people that we've got at the AFCON and, and that leaves us even shorter. So does this mean that Arsenal have an intention or a plan at least to try and bring in a central midfielder before the end of January? I'm not sure. I'd like to think that's the case because I, I I would hate for us to get to a point in the season where we fall short because we've left ourselves short in the centre-forward position, because we've only left ourselves Alexander Lacazette as capable cover or as a capable player in that position, in my opinion. I don't think that Eddie Nketiah is a bad footballer, but I don't think he gives you what Lacazette gives you. I don't think he gives you what Aubameyang gives you either. And I know that his situation is clearly one that is tricky at the moment. But the point I'm trying to say is, Do we want to get to the crucial part of the season and fall short because Lacazette gets injured and we don't have sufficient cover or because we lose one of our midfield players and again, don't have sufficient cover? It feels like we're taking a massive risk and exposing ourselves to a huge risk if we go through the month of January without replacing Ainsley Maitland-Niles in the squad, particularly with players at the AFCON. Having said that, you shouldn't go breaking the bank just because you've got players at the AFCON for a few weeks. So it's about finding that balance. It's about weighing up the risk and the reward. And, um, you know, if it's a case of potentially accelerating plans to bring someone in that you were looking at for the summer anyway, just ahead of time, then that's not crazy and that's not mad and that's not irresponsible. But if you're going to go and sign someone as a knee-jerk reaction, you know, that you don't really feel or are not really sure is part of your plans, just to cover somebody for two, three weeks, then that's a problem as well. So, as I say, it's about weighing up the risk and the reward and and trying to strike that right balance. You never know what's going to happen with injuries. You never know what's going to happen with COVID cases at the moment as well, which makes it really, really difficult to plan. Um, And often you can find yourself in a tough situation through no fault of your own. But I just think... (laughs) If I'm weighing it all up, leaving us exposed in the midfield area now, I think is is a massive risk and a huge gamble uh, for Mikel Arteta and his team to take. So that's my take on the Maitland-Niles story. Um, I've got a poll running currently in the live chat. Uh, I can see... Uh, that it's heavily weighted in one direction. So my question was, are we right to allow Maitland-Niles to leave mid-season? 73% of you say yes, 28% of you say no. I'd be interested to know how many of that 73% who said, yes, it is right to let Maitland-Niles leave now, expect Arsenal to bring in a midfielder in this month. And I think that is is kind of the key here, isn't it? Uh let's go over into the chat box before we move on to the next story and take some of your comments some of your thoughts uh what else uh, have we got here Uh, Big hello to Tariq Talks, who will be joining me later on on our member stream. Make sure you click on Tariq's name in the chat and subscribe to his YouTube channel. He says, who knew that we would be able to rattle Liverpool fans again? Big up page for making more than valid points as per usual. You know what? Let's address that quickly because I was going to talk about it a little bit later on. But let's address it. Liverpool obviously have submitted a request to the EFL to get their cup semi-final first leg postponed against us. Now, at the time they submitted... Their request. They were reporting suspected COVID cases. What's a suspected COVID case? Some people say it's when you do a lateral flow test and that says you're positive, um, but you haven't had a PCR test to confirm it. Others say that it's when you're showing symptoms but you're not showing it on your on your lateral flow test. We don't really know. Liverpool haven't made that clear. We know that they had to cancel a training session yesterday due to an outbreak of COVID. And my Opinion on this is not even that the game should 100% go ahead. My opinion or my point on Twitter, but obviously there are a lot of Liverpool fans out there that clearly can't read. Uh, was that was that it's funny how things change? You know, you think back to a couple of years ago, and Jurgen Klopp showed and, and has continued to show a, a clear and utter disrespect for the English Cup competitions. He's always seen them as a hindrance, as a problem, as an issue, as something that gets in the way. And he's even gone as far. um, Okay, they were involved in the club championship as well, but he's even gone as far as not managing a game that he could have managed, not attending a game that he could have attended and sending out an under-23s team with their under-23s manager because that's how much respect he paid to that competition. And he was willing and happy to do that. And Liverpool were willing and happy to do that. Because it was against Shrewsbury Town, a team that even with absentees and and a number of absentees, Liverpool still feel that they can beat. They feel that their under 23s could win that game. Now they're proceeding to try and get the game called off with Arsenal. Now, can they definitely not field enough players to make this game go ahead by the rules? I'm not convinced. Is anybody convinced? No, because the truth is we don't really know. So it's not wrong to feel like Liverpool are trying it on here. It's not wrong to feel like Liverpool are trying to win win this kind of war here, win this mental battle. Why is it that with a game coming up in a few days' time in the FA Cup third round against weak opposition, again, it happens to be Shrewsbury Town, why is it that Liverpool haven't yet requested to have that game postponed? I'll tell you why, because Liverpool don't want the fixture congestion. Liverpool don't want to clog up their calendar later on in the season with FA Cup ties. But the Arsenal game is not one they feel they can win without people missing, With uh, sorry, with people missing, with all those absentees. So I'm suggesting, and it's a very, very valid suggestion and opinion to have, that Liverpool have jumped the gun in trying to get this game postponed. And when I say jump the gun, I mean yesterday when the cases weren't confirmed, Liverpool were actively seeking a postponement. The process, in my opinion, should be this. You've got a load of suspected cases. Go to the EFL, notify them, warn them of the fact that you've got lots of suspected cases so that they know and so that they can take the relevant action and at least be prepared in the event that the game needs to postpone. Then you go away as a football club and you confirm those cases and you make absolutely sure that you cannot fulfill this fixture. And when you have the evidence, the hard evidence, how long does it take to do a test, especially when you're a Premier League football club and you can pay out of your ass for them, how long does it take to do a test? Go back to the EFL and say, here you go, guys. This is the evidence. The suspected cases are confirmed cases. We are no longer able to fit uh, to fulfill this fixture. Can we have a postponement? That's how it should work. Liverpool, why I say they've jumped the gun is because they've gone and officially requested that postponement before confirming the cases, before Pep Linders, who has tested positive today and a number of other staff who have reportedly tested positive today, were even suspected cases. So, if you're going to postpone the game because they can't field the team, and, and that's genuine, I'm fine with that, but why should they have been allowed to go and make an appeal to have it postponed prior to having those cases confirmed? That's all my point was, and my other point was that it's funny how all of a sudden Liverpool have a massive bee in their bonnet about the domestic cuts when historically they couldn't give a shit about them, and Jurgen Klopp in particular couldn't give a shit about them. It's funny how times change, and I am calling them hypocrites, yes, did I say a few days ago um, or a week ago that, you know, health comes first? Of course it does. But we don't need to prioritise the health of people who don't actually have COVID, right? We don't have to prioritise it so much that the people who might have it are, are definitely ruled out of the game. You know, what are we doing? Are we, are we cancelling games on the suspicion of COVID? Because if we are, that's a really dangerous precedent to set. The minute you do that, you're going to get clubs coming to the Premier League, coming to the relevant bodies and authorities time and time again when it doesn't suit them to play a fixture because of injuries, because of pile-ups, going, we've got suspected cases, guys. The Premier League might push back and say, well, no, we're not going to postpone the game on the grounds of uh, of suspected cases. But then they'll point to the example of Liverpool. And that's my point here. You can't allow clubs to postpone games on the basis of suspected cases, if they're all confirmed, fine. I don't have a problem with it. I've never had a problem with it, but it's incredible um, how the Liverpool fans have, have jumped on that opinion. And no word of a lie. I must have got 60, 70 DMs last night from Liverpool fans that I don't know who they are um, giving me crap. Look, look at this. Um, I got one. You smell of wee. I got you effing wake up piss off uh we need to talk from someone i don't know uh i've got nonce i've got knobhead um lots of personal insults it's mad it's mad how they can be so triggered over it but look um, I've always said and I've always felt like the Arsenal fan base uh, can be quite toxic and quite abusive at times. Liverpool, congratulations. Uh, you've outdone us in that sense as well. Uh, so well done. But I'd suggest that a lot of you go over and actually read what I said uh, before you jump onto it, because it's, it's embarrassing uh, to see people kind of reacting in that way. Um, let's see uh, what you guys are saying uh, in the chat box. Um, Going back to the maitland Nile stuff, uh, Matt Tomo says it's only right to let him leave if we have plans to bring in someone else. Yeah, agreed. And I think if we do have plans to, to bring somebody else in, then it makes perfect sense. I think it makes sense anyway. But I just, I, I, as I said, there's that little part of me that worries about what might happen if we pick up a couple of injuries. Tebow says, do you think Sambi will play the upcoming games? Yeah, I'd imagine so. I'd imagine Sambi laconga uh, will come back into the mix. Um... Martin says, uh, "Harry, just an FYI. Liverpool have closed training again today. Yet, yeah, fine. Arsenal didn't train before one of their recent Premier League games. Um, my point is not that they they don't have any cases. My point is that they went and asked for a postponement on the grounds of of um, of suspected cases, and the EFL can't possibly accept." postponing a game on those grounds, because as I say, it sets a very, very dangerous precedent moving forward and one that people can exploit. Um, let's see what else uh, we've got here. Uh, lots of you sharing my concern around the idea of leaving us a little bit um Short in the midfield area. That's obviously a big problem. Uh, Smart Cookie says, Classy says, Yeah, man, as, as always. And Steve Stein says, uh, Best fans in the world. They say Noah Daniels, high IQ insults there. Yeah, of course, I wouldn't expect uh, anything less. And the joke is as well, like loads of their big um, big Twitter accounts are like retweeting it and getting involved in it as well and sharing it around. And, and my Twitter engagement has, has gone through the roof. So thank you for that. Anyway. Um let's uh let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about some of the other transfer stories doing the rounds, reportedly with regards to Arsenal. And let's start off with the story that Newcastle United are looking to sign. As I said at the beginning, not one, not two, not three, but four Arsenal players in this window. The first one being Pierre Emmerich Abameyang, second being Eddie Nketiah, the third being Rob Holding, and the fourth being Mohamed El Neni Now I think they are people that could all potentially end up leaving the club, um, you know, in, in the next sort of six to 12 months. But I mean, for me, it's 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 one of those where, again, and, and I talked about my rumour rater, didn't I? When we were talking on the last couple of transfer talk shows, um, how do I rate this rumour out of 10? I, I don't suggest that Newcastle or Believe uh, the Newcastle are looking at all four of those players at once. I think they will be looking to pick people's pockets and take players across to St. James's Park in a bid to survive. Uh, obviously, they're in a, a spot of bother at the moment. They've already started their spending with. Um, with Kieran Trippier coming in, who I actually think is a pretty good sign-in. Um, the the fee turns out to be, or has turned out to be a lot less as well than was originally being sort of spoken about, which makes it an even better deal. But I think Trippier gives them quite a bit going forward as well as defensively. So I think that's a good sign-in for Newcastle United. Gives them something from set pieces as well. Um, it got a great delivery on him, Kieran Trippier. Um but yeah, look, are they going to go after Bamiang and Ketia holding an El all at once? I, I highly doubt it. And if we're letting Ainsley Maitland Niles go, we definitely can't let Mohamed El go now as well, um, because that would be leaving ourselves exposed unless we have big plans for this month. And at this moment in time, although we've been linked with Alexander Isak, although we've been linked uh, with Dusan Vlavic and, and a number of other players. We're going to talk about Jeannie Wijnaldum in a minute, another player that we're being heavily linked with a move for, Felipe Coutinho. I just can't see um, Arsenal allowing all four of those players. You, you think about it now, especially with a Bamiang situation, Enketia becomes an important member of the squad. Rob Holding seems to be the first centre-half that Mikel calls on in the absence of White or Gabriel or, in the case, the other week where we had to move White over to right back. Holding seems to be the next in line. He's part of the leadership group. He wears, um, you know, he wears the captain's armband from time to time. Mohamed Neni plugs a hole really well when you need him to, especially from a defensive standpoint. And and as I say, with Ainsley Maitland-Nas departing, I can't see Arsenal letting all these guys go. Although it might present an opportunity to kind of get rid of some of these players for a, a fee that, we probably wouldn't get from anyone else because of A, Newcastle's wealth and B, their desperation at the moment. So maybe consider some of these deals if, if the right offers are on the table. But I don't for a second believe that Newcastle are currently making phone calls to Arsenal looking for this bumper uh, multi-pack edition of Arsenal players to take them through the remainder of the season. Uh, look here, look we get Liverpool fans popping up in here as well. Check your Twitter, you twat, you're finished. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm uh I'm definitely finished now because of you cheers. Uh anyway. Anyway, um absolute madness. Absolute madness. Um but anyway, let's uh let's move on to Manchester City who are supposedly keeping tabs on Mikel Arteta and Patrick Vieira as they look to replace uh Mikel that's of as they look to replace Pep Guardiola in the future. Uh so are they gonna move um, him on uh anytime soon? I don't think so. Um are they gonna move Pep Guardiola on at the end of this season? I don't think so. It's more a case of whether Pep Guardiola feels that he's done his bit um, you know, as um as uh, as Manchester City boss. Can he take them any further? I would suggest that he wants to um, you know, I, I would suggest that he wants to finish the project and I think finishing the project for Manchester City and Pep Guardiola is probably to win the Champions League. Um, will he feel that he can do that this season? Absolutely. Um, you know, and particularly with them opening the gap up uh, between sort of uh, themselves and the rest of the teams in the hunt for, uh, you know, the the, uh, the title, I think they'll feel quite confident that they can at some point shift their focus uh, to the... Champions League and, and ultimately achieve that goal. They've certainly got the team. I would say right now they're probably the best side in Europe, so so why not? But it's interesting that they're supposedly keeping tags on Mikel Arteta and Patrick Vieira, who actually, you know, I, I always thought that Mikel Arteta would would start to get it right at some point. I, I had a lot more faith uh, in Mikel Arteta than I did in Patrick Vieira at the start of their managerial careers. I don't know why. I just, maybe he just talks a better game. Um, maybe the fact that he'd had so many plaudits off the back of what he did at Manchester City. Um, you know, it, it just made me feel like he was maybe at a better level than maybe Patrick Vieira was. Although I admit that Vieira had greater experience as being a kind of uh, sort of going out there by himself and doing it, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I, I've been quietly impressed with what Patrick Vieira has done. I really have been. And um, for me, it's uh, it's great to see him progressing as well. And it's interesting that obviously both of those ex-Arsenal players have a connection to City. Both have worked as coaches there. Patrick Vieira played for them for the, for a short time as well. But obviously he started his managerial career at City and then moved uh, to New York City FC. So, yeah, uh, really, really interesting uh, that those guys are being kept tabs on. And it is a report from The Athletic, which is, uh, as I said earlier on, a, a pretty reliable source and, and one that I will take notice of. So, yeah. Um, yeah, good, good to see that they're getting recognised for their work. But obviously, I don't want to lose Mikel Arteta, uh, especially if he continues developing, continues, uh, continues pushing forward, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, yeah. Also, uh, finally, just want to touch on the news that Arsenal have been charged with a disciplinary breach following the City game. Apparently, um, we, uh, we failed to control our players uh, after the sending off. i, I tell you what the FA ought to spend more time focusing on improving the standard of their officiating. And if they did that, and if they do that, then, you know, we won't have, um, you know, if they did that and they do that, then we won't have these issues. You know, we won't have these issues. Those issues came about ultimately because of some poor officiating, some disgraceful officiating, a really low standard from Stuart Atwell and Jared Gillett and, and the team around them. So for me, you know, it's Arsenal are back, right? You know, we've had this in the past. We're no strangers to this. The fact that we care for me is, um, and we do fight back and we do, uh, you know, show passion and, and, you know, desire to win and succeed and do feel upset when, of course, uh, things go against us, especially unjustly. I think that's a sign that there's that fight and passion and desire back in this Arsenal side. So I'm I'm delighted um, that we showed that fight and that character and didn't just accept it. We got charged. So what? You know, the FA dish out charges all the time. They do it for some, they don't do it for others. We know that the FA have got a a very patchy record on the way they deal with certain situations. they are a shambles, in my opinion. And um, yeah, um, it is what it is. Uh, Who cares? Who cares? Anyways, uh, gonna leave it there. Uh, I'll catch you all a little bit later on with another show. We're going to be discussing uh, the Bruno Gimaraj stuff, and I'll be joined by some of our channel members a little bit later on today. So until then, take care, enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, see you later. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast.